listening to Accountability Talks with AGA. This is your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're speaking with FaceAB. We have the chairman of the board, Scott Showalter, and also Roger Von Elm, a member of AGA's board that supports FaceAB reviews. And we'll get into that into more detail. And just a note here, this is actually an encore presentation. We actually recorded this podcast back in uh, the summer at the PDT, but it was mysteriously erased, unfortunately, so we had to re-record. So uh, happy to bring this to you now, and please enjoy our conversation about FaceApp. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're speaking with FaceApp and with a member of AGA's Financial Management Standards Board that also supports a lot of the FaceApp activities. So today we have uh, Scott Showalter, Chairman of the Board of FaceApp. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. And also Roger Von Elm. Uh, he's from CLA and he's on AGA's FMSB Board. Welcome. Good morning. Okay. Well, why don't we start off, uh, if you don't mind, just giving us a inter- little introduction to yourselves. What do you do with FaceApp and, and you know, any other activities, uh, you know, your day job, so to speak, if there's another one. <laughs> so why don't we start with Scott? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Scott Showalter. I am chair uh, of FaceApp. I've been the chair since January uh, 2016. I've been on the board since 2009. So June 2019 will be the end of my term on the board of 10 years, and time does fly when you're over that 10-year period of time. Uh, my day job, as you say, is I'm a professor of practice and director of the Master's of Accounting program at, at NC State University in, in North Carolina. Uh, the role they, of the chair is actually to work with the executive director, Wendy Payne, and our role is to establish accounting and financial reporting standards for the consolidated financial government as well as related agencies. Also view, and it's been a real focus of my time as chair, is to improve communication. So this podcast is exactly the things that I'm, I'm looking to do. Right is to communicate out but also receive information back. Okay, how about yourself, Roger? I'm Roger Von Elm, a uh, principal with CLA. I've been in the federal financial management world for over 25 years, uh, mostly on financial assurance uh, federal agencies. Uh, and I've been involved with the FMSB now for about five or six years. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, so let's jump into some topics here. Uh, I wanted to start off uh, maybe if you guys could just explain to us a little bit about FaceApp board itself, um, you know, who's on the board, what, you know, who makes up the board, and how do you guys decide or, you know, who's a board member? Okay. It's, it's an interesting question because the board itself is undergoing some change. I mentioned earlier I'm coming off the board. There's another board member coming off. And so, so it's, it's, it's very interesting. This is a very timely question that you're asking. Uh, just step back for a minute. The, the FaceApp board is actually comes together because of a memorandum of understanding that's, mm-hmm. that was executed by GAO, o, OMB, and Treasury. So we exist because mm-hmm. the three of those gave us their powers to us. So, so they, they gave their powers to us for that. And we operate under the Federal Advisory Committee Act. And that will get later in the due process how that impacts sure. what, what we actually do. There's a total of nine members on the board, mm-hmm. of which three – uh, represent each one of, of those federal sponsors. We call them sponsors, OMB, Treasury, and uh, GAO from that. And those, so those nine will be called public members or independent, uh, in six, I'm sorry, six public members independent. So, so we have the majority, mm-hmm. uh, which to, to get this board approved under the AICPA Rule 203 as a standard setting body, which we are for GAP, we need to have more independent body members than we did. We couldn't have the federal government sort of 
playing their own game here, right. as you appreciate it. So uh, as, as to who's on the board, there is no designated positions. Like people often look at me and say, well, you're the academic on the board or someone right. else. And they do that, but there is really no, you, this is you're filling this role and you're filling that role. Mm-hmm. What we're looking for is diversity. So we're looking okay. for preparers. We're looking for people that have been in the government, both state and local and federal. Mm-hmm. From that perspective, auditors are great. We, if you look at the board right now, we seem to have a over oversupply of, of auditors. That sort of <laughs> happens because of the, the, the churn of the body. If you've sure. got any standard setting, so if you've been on the AGA and you've helped contribute, or you've been on the AS, a, ASCPA task force, or something like that, we also look for users' input. That's they're scarce. They're like unicorns trying okay. to find users that are willing to come forward and, and tell us what we're doing. So we're always doing that. And then obviously academics, uh, we're looking for. So so we're always trying to balance off that that real diversity that we have. And one of the key traits we look for when we're out looking, which we've been doing recently, is how open-minded are you? We're not looking for people to come in and only so singular focus. It is is a very consensus-driven process. So, right. so yes, you have to str- have strong views. You need to know what you stand for. But you got to be willing to listen to other people's views and changers if you think they make a point. So, right. so that's really the, the comp- composition of that. And I would say probably most of the people around the table are members of the AGA, would be my guess, just by yeah. that. Experience. Is there a set time, you know, term for each person? Okay, yeah, great question. Uh, there, there's a set. The set term is five years, okay. and then you're eligible for reappointment. That's not a yeah. done deal. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like your five years. We'll see how you do, and then if sure. you're okay with that. Uh, and uh, but the the good, and it also gives you. It may not be what you want to do mm-hmm. when you get into it. Yeah. I know when I agreed to do it. When Tom Allen called me about it, I, I really didn't know what it was going to be. So I've really enjoyed it. But I, it gives you a chance at five years, five years to say, I, I think I have enough fun. Right. Uh, uh, we do evaluate the board members every year, so you know how you how you're doing. So right. so yeah. So but the most you can ever do is ten. So you have some people that have been in that were the federal representative at time mm-hmm. when they were like OMB or something, and they so they served then, and then they left OMB and they come back as an independent member or something. Those those couple years they spent the OMB actually accounts against the clock so it's oh, okay. it's 10 years in total no matter what role you play and you're done okay and and leading into that you know how do you all recruit for the board mm-hmm. so to speak yeah like I say we, we've been heavily at that uh, because I'm um, I'm coming off the board and Michael Granoff which is the second board he and I Michael and I started the same day so we've been running our 10 years together uh, Michael's an academic University of Texas he's a true academic uh, from from University of Texas so so uh, so we've been going through this process. So we have something called an appointments panel, and that was something we need to have, again, under Rule 203 of the AICPA. And the appointments com- panel consisted of three federal representatives, again, OMB, Treasury, and GAO, mm-hmm. and then myself as a chair, and then two representatives from the AICPA and one from FAF, the Financial Accounting Foundation. So the AICPA and the Financial Accounting the independent people, they're even outside of, of what the board and, and one of their key roles to make sure we're following the due process and, mm-hmm. make, and make sure it's open from that perspective. We advertise. Uh, we send it out to interest groups, such as the AGA. We, the role of the AICPA and FAF in this process is to try to identify people mm-hmm. that, that we go through. And we, what I like to call the friends and family. That's right. everyone we know because of who we – it's a relatively small community in this space. And, right. and so it's who you know. And, but the AGA is very important in that, in that perspective. Okay, so I mean, AGA helps you guys identify some potential folks, and is it obviously a big network? Absolutely, the membership, particularly since membership's so dominant here in the DC area, uh, they're very helpful in, in identifying people. So, uh, so uh, matter of fact, uh, at today at today's board meeting, I will be announcing uh, the, the new people, the new chair, and, oh, and wow. some other panel members. Okay, so. well, we'll be looking forward to hear about that. Great. 
so let's talk a little bit about um, how FaceTab actually decides that there's a need to develop a standard or revise a standard or get rid of a standard. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the thought process on that? Yeah, we do have a, we have a process for that, and it comes at us from different angles. And, and we're in the midst of it right now. Every year we actually put out a call. Mm -hmm. We issue an annual report, and as part of that annual report, there's a call in there saying, this is what we think is important. What do you think is important? And we actually have an electronic survey that we send out to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And we didn't used to do that, and we used to complain, we're not getting much response. But since we've done the, the electronic survey, we get a couple hundred people. That's not bad to get a hundred people, people online telling you what they really care about. Sure. The, 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 the FaceApp staff gets a lot of questions. People call in, and a lot of it's just, can you help me with this interpretation? But if they start seeing trends coming in, they're saying, wait a minute, we're getting too many questions in this area. Right. Maybe we need to think about, is it an interpretation? Is it guidance? Is it a standard? Or maybe there's no standard even in there. That's sort of how the recent standards we issued on DOD came about, was as they were mm -hmm. getting more more audit yeah. ready, then they were coming across things that we we just didn't have standards for it. Right. And, and so that sort of comes out. We actually get requests from people saying, hey, this is an area that we see. Uh, we don't think there's any guidance there. Could you, mm -hmm. Which is unusual. You think the last people want us doing is setting standards, but uh, they'd rather us not do that. But we do understand we have a role here. People respond to exposure drafts about one thing and tell us about something else. Right. And that's good because yeah. you know it gives them a mechanism. And, and we listen to the exposure draft. So when people tell us something that's not on point for here, we still record it and we, mm -hmm. we put it over in another area. We have something called the Accounting, Auditing, and Policy Committee. Uh, that's headed up by, by the executive director. And those are people just from from, from the federal, uh, it's the audit group and, and, and from the uh, federal financial group uh, that actually can put together some guidance, uh, yeah. what we call more, more technical areas, directors. And, but they also give us input because always talking about things. And AJ's been very active here in two points. One is they actually do some great corporate research reports, which we've had several of the AJ members come and actually present those to us when those research reports are done. And they've informed us things as what should the financial statements have in them and, right. and certain things like that. And they also are very active in, in, in giving us responding as well as giving us some right. ideas. Yeah, let me ask you, Roger. So, you know, give us a little bit more about F FMSB's role in, in, in standard settings. Sure. F FMSB has really been established um, to help uh, have a restructured response mm -hmm. um, uh, to, to federal standards. And um, uh, the group has, has really tried to, as Scott mentioned, create diversity in the group mm -hmm. uh, of, of users um, from industries, from federal industry, state and local industry. One of the areas we've really focused on is making sure that you have a cross mix uh, and not just say people with federal interests to review a federal standard. Mm -hmm. um, I will sit in on a number of discussions on GASB exposure drafts okay. and uh, present a, a federal perspective uh, when GASB is looking at issues right. uh, to, to see if there's similarities or, or issues in the federal sector that may not have been considered from the GASB side. Right. Actually, I'm curious, how much do you guys look at FASB as well, I mean, some, you know, the non-governmental mm -hmm. side. Generally not, um, but we do stay uh, focused on international standards. International, okay. Um, sure. IPSASB uh, mm -hmm. often is addressing issues at a much more global level uh, that tends to have a much more theoretical, uh, uh, idealistic uh, mm -hmm. concept. Concepts, right. Uh, and so we look at those and, and say, 
are those sending uh, accounting standards in a certain direction mm. that the, the U.S. federal side has or has not or is trending, or in some cases the opposite, where the federal side may have may pre be presenting such as social insurance, mm -hmm. um, be, a, be a leader in a particular area. Right. Uh, so, we, so we try to take all of those different perspectives um, and, and through group conference uh, discuss an existing standard and uh, look, at, look at feedback. Uh, I have to say from everything, from what we've seen from their standards, uh, FaceApp does a very good job of vetting their standards, their questions are, are very thoughtful, mm -hmm. um, and uh, we, tend to, we tend to have a hard time finding any real holes right. <laughs> or obvious, obvious uh, issues with a lot of the, issue, uh, the standards mm -hmm. that are presented out. Um, and a lot of the issues, you have a much smaller community in the federal side for users um, of the stand implementers of the standards. Mm -hmm. So when there's a, a tactical issue, they have the ability to go out to those most readily affected, uh, which is much different from the GASB side, where they have thousands and thousands of state, local towns, communities sure. that will be implementing any particular standard. Uh, so if there's a particular need, for example, the DOD situation, mm -hmm. they have the ability to really connect with the users most directly and make sure that the standard is, ta is best targeted uh, for their needs in the guise of what should a standard address and not and consider the specific uh, pros and cons. Right. And, and the FMSB, so you said you, you know, coordinate responses. Do you also kind of proactively go to FaceApp and say, hey, this is a, issue, a rising issue you might want to think about? or? Is that part of the uh, Well, that's definitely through the, the response to the three-year plan. Okay. Uh, when we look at their yeah. annual report and the three-year plan, we look at not the ideas of just what they're looking to put on their pipeline, mm -hmm. uh, but we look at it as, as an open forum of, or, or what are we wrestling with. And, and right. uh, you know, we use our experiences uh, through, through either you know, auditing multiple agencies from our side or, uh, you know, from the users and what they've seen or um, people are implementing treasury regulations and how those relate and impact relative to the standards. Uh, so we so we take in, in all of those factors. Right. So let's talk about the three-year plan. Do you mind right. give us a little... Yeah, we, we, we put together a three-year plan that's actually, because we're a, a rule to a three body within ASCPA, we have certain external reporting requirements. People need to know about what we do and sure. in, in the process of that we go. And so we, we attach the three-year plan as part of our annual annual report. So mm -hmm. so the, the purpose of this annual report is to demonstrate our compliance with ASCPA standards, both independence operating procedures as well as conflicts. All the board members every year have to, have to uh, basically certify their had no conflicts, they're independent. If any time during the year a, a, a board member thought they were being indoor influenced by someone, they'd have to report it to me, I'd have to talk to the SCP. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to say in all my time on the board, I've not had any indoor influence, no one's willing to take me out and, and, and wine and dine me for a standard. First standard. I, you know, I don't get it, but it seems like to me it ought to be worth you know, steak dinner somewhere to, right. to influence the standard <laughs> setting, but so far no one has stepped up from from, from that, that process. So so as part of this, we do, do put together the three years, and, and it is, it's a snapshot. It's a combination of things. Standard setting always takes lots longer than you think. And as Roger mentioned, we, we do have an advantage that we're setting standards for one entity. It happens to be the largest entity in the world, mm -hmm. and it's pretty big and it's pretty important, but between the consolidated federal government and the, and the agencies there, um, it, it, it is, is one, one entity from that, that perspective. So, so it, it takes longer. Uh, we only meet every other month 
and, and we're part-time board, and, and so it take, takes longer than people would like. So a three-year plan uh, gives you, you know, some idea of, of, of what we got to undertake and where we're going. But in the back of it is also a list of other stuff that a lot of those avenues we've talked about with people. Uh, I know AGA and every year in the three years, they have one thing they've recommended to us that we still haven't done yet. But I, I can I'll actually count on that being in that response. And, and it will. It will eventually hit the list. Uh, but consistency is important. Uh, and, and that's really important from a comment perspective is we can always look to the AGA for, for a response, and that's really important to us. Um, we sit around the table and we talk about it, but having those outside views that come in are so valuable to the standard-setting process. So, so we send out the report, and, and, and people respond back. And we actually, in a February meeting, is when we actually take all the response that comes back and we deliberate on it and say, based on people's arguments and what they presented to us, do we need to change our plan? And, and we have from year to year, changed to what we thought we were going to do because there was enough comments coming back that were telling us, you know, we really need to move in this particular area. So, so we take that, that, that survey, very important in what we do, and it really does. So if, you're, if your listeners are sitting out saying, well, how can I really make a difference? This is the way to make the difference is, mm-hmm. is to respond to us because we really do, we do pay attention to it, even though we have a lot of outlets for information. It's very important to us. So I can encourage people to respond. So just uh Funny question, maybe, but I mean, do you guys have some equivalent of a, you know, sort of a hotline? Just anybody in the world can send you a, hey, have you guys thought about looking at this, or is it a more formal process? You know, no, it is. Well, you can, you can get us any way you want. Okay. You can call, you literally, you can call up a staff member, you can call up Wendy, you can send us an email, mm-hmm. uh, you can go online. Yeah, anything. We okay. it comes in different ways, and like I said, it, it, we have a lot of formal and informal channels mm-hmm. uh, because we're trying to make it as easy as possible for people to tell us what's on the mind and what what needs to be done. Right, because I mean, folks out there on the ground could be seeing some issue that's confusing and they can't find any guidance, and there really isn't guidance, you know, or it's just a new thing, or they're not sure how to implement something. So it's good to have a channel. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little nitty gritty. I think it'd be good for the audience uh, as far as you know. So now you have a, you've identified that we need a standard or we need to you know amend one. Um, mm-hmm. What's what's basically the process? How do we get from a you know from the beginning to the end of that? Yeah, we, we do have a, a documented due process we follow, but as I mentioned earlier, we're under FACA, so we have to be we have to be open meetings. So we're not allowed to have any uh, meaningful communications other than in open sunshine. Mm-hmm. Even emails, we have to be very careful. When you from time to time remind us, board, you can't can't discuss that through your email because that's mm-hmm. in essence you're you're you part of the standard setting process. So yes. so really, all the emails that we have is really between the board members and the staff. Board members usually don't communicate between each other because of that okay. because of the act. So so okay. we, we yeah everything goes in and out. Uh, from the board members in into the staff, and all that's retained here. It's all, all public record, and mm-hmm. from that perspective. But but we do have a, a very deliberate process. It usually starts with some piece of research, where we're trying to someone says something, so we got to figure out how big is this bread basket we're looking at. Is it? Right. And, and so we do some initial research. Sometimes, and this has become more often, the board members have been very pleased with this. We have educational sessions, and so mm-hmm. about every meeting we we'll have an educational session on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, this matter of fact, this meeting we're having today is we're going to have some on intergovernmental receivables, and that's one that a board member has wanted some more information. We've had a lot recently in the past year on, on electronic reporting and, mm-hmm. and what, what people are doing in that. So where the board wants more information, we actually have people come in and help form it. So we're trying to get educated before something before we just dive into the process. Then staff will prepare briefing papers for us and they provide that to the board and those briefing papers will be then discussed in open meetings. So some, when you come to our meetings, sometimes you'll see they just talked about a bunch of stuff. We didn't decide anything. Well, right. we're, that's where we're trying to figure out what the issues are. We're trying to dive in and depending on how big the issue is, that 
could take one meeting or it could take a couple meetings. Depends on you know how big it is. Then after we get, the board gives the staff enough direction where they kind of know where we want to go, they will actually do a draft of a standard. Okay. And we will usually debate that again in an open session. If we get to agreement, we think that's okay. We will expose that, and so that's what we call an exposure draft. So that right. goes out. That's when everybody gets. That's where the AGA does their magic, and they come in and they give us yeah. comments about that. All those comment letters come in. The staff will summarize those. They summarize those, but we also get. The, we actually see the comment letters, and we're encouraged to read the comment letters. Just don't read the staff summary. Actually, read the comment. I read every letter that comes in, mm-hmm. in addition to looking at the staff summary. Staff will then come back and. At, again, an open meeting and make suggestions based on what we've seen of, of amendments that we need we need to make from that, that perspective. We may deliberate that for another couple meetings. Now you understand why I say two to three years. Right. <laughs> you begin to understand why this takes two or three years. Discussed. And, and, and so that, that'll be uh, depending on the changes we make. If we make too much, too many changes, we can always uh, take what we expose and we, and we, and we, we can make it Less, we can make it more stringent. We can tighten it down, mm-hmm. but we cannot expand it. Mm-hmm. To expand it, we have to go back out and exposure. So, so people have to have the benefit of. I, I can't do one thing and then switch and come out with totally something. And so, one of the things we talk about through this process is: did do we need to send it back out? So, were there enough changes we made based on the people told us? And occasionally, we have to send back out because we've actually changed the essence of what we said the first time around. Mm-hmm. So, after that, uh, we will the board will finalize uh, the. The, the, the document. Right. Uh, during this period of time, there's several balloting that takes place. By the way, all those ballots are, are kept on record, so if you want to know who voted when and, and all that kind of stuff. So we will vote it out. Um, our, we're, we're an advisory board, so actually the standard itself goes up to the three, up to the three sponsors. And right. so they're, it, they have a period of time to say, yes, I'm okay. Uh, they, they have the right to veto because of the memorandum of standing, but they never have, and I can't imagine them ever doing that because right. if they did that, it's like the SEC has a right of veto over the FASB. They would never do it because once you do that, the organization's out of business yeah. <laughs> because the whole independence thing kind of falls out. So sure. so technically, there's, there's an overview there, but, but there really isn't. And by the way, all this information I told you is posted on the FASAB website. So for those people that are really geeky that want to go down to the bowels of the organization and, right. and see all that, all the comment letters are there, all the drafts are documents documents are there, plow ahead, it's all there. Okay. Well, uh, and then um, from AGA's perspective, from the FMSB, you know, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, when you guys get a, an exposure draft or whatever point you receive something, you know, what's your process for taking that and reviewing it and getting the inputs necessary? Well, we have a chair that will uh, oversee the whole process, mm-hmm. and then we've had subcommittees uh, either on the federal side or the state and local side. And uh, so we'll generally send out um, uh, an exposure draft and say, you know, one, do we want to respond to this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the most part, almost everything that comes out, we, we feel is worthy of some response, even if it's just a concurrence. Um, so we do believe that feedback is, is valuable. Uh, and so uh, the, the readers take some time to, to review the standard. Uh, we'll set up a conference call. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss the questions. Usually their exposure drafts have a set list of questions that they're really looking for responses for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go through and, and debate what do we think the responses are that, that should be, what are the relevant comments for, in response to that particular question. Um, and then the chair will uh, draft up a response based on the conversations mm-hmm. we had from the conference call, send that out for review, and we'll, we'll, um, we'll edit it and, and uh, process it through. Uh, and then, and then they'll, they'll submit it. So the FMSB then, I mean, when your response is, is solely the board itself, right? Are you, are we reaching out to others in the community? No, it's, it's generally through the, through the board itself. Okay, 
Right. Um, because every AGA member has a, the ability to respond to an exposure draft to themselves. That's right. But you yeah. guys are kind of the, I don't know, council of elders or the, the SMEs in a way, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, another level of review in a way. It, well, it's, 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 you have to have one, you have to have an interest in that. Um, you have to understand the standard setting concept a little bit mm -hmm. of understanding mm -hmm. what is it they can and can't say. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to have an appreciation for that uh, and either being a user and implementer from the financial statement preparation or the accounting side right. that understands how you translate that into an actual debit and a credit or an actual accounting policy. There's some real magic there, but when you're trying to create a standard that's going to apply to a broad audience, uh, you can't come back with a response and saying, well, this won't work for me because right. it, you know, the responses have to be considering the broad audience mm -hmm. and saying, does this benefit the user mm -hmm. as a broad audience? So, let's see here. So I think just have a couple more questions for you all. Uh, mm -hmm. Just wanted to get into the, uh, you know, sort so of what are some current hot topics in FaceTab world, some standards you all are working on or are soon to come out? Yeah, well, they, uh, I mentioned earlier that the DOD, we don't assume that's gone away. Um, and, and by the way, I just want to comment on the, what we have been doing relative to DOD. Some people are saying, well, you're sort of given DOD a, a pass on some of these standards. And, and what, what we want to focus on on that is, is they're a voice we haven't heard from. Again, come back to what Roger said. It, when a lot of these standards were originally issued, DOD was not engaged in financial reporting as we know it today. And so, so we didn't have that voice come in. And they're the most complex agency that's out there by a long shot. And so as they begin to, in earnest, implement these standards, they're under uncovering things that were never considered by this board when those standards were set. So so we're not giving DOD a pass here. What we're doing is trying to give a, a standard that's workable in the environment that they have where you have all the service organizations issuing separate reports that are coming up to a consolidated and and in the interest of, of trying to have a, a more uh, efficient DOD, they have a lot of interagency transactions that a lot of organizations don't have that, that makes the, some of the original pronouncements just really a bear for them them to implement. Mm -hmm. So so I do want to comment on that because from time to time we'll get comments about, yeah, you're, you're making it easier in DOD. No, I hope we're trying to make it implementable right. by DOD from that that perspective. And so so I, I consider that effort will probably continue as they continue mm -hmm. to peel back their onion, but also as DOD gets more audible, there's other parts of the federal government that if you go into the consolidated financial statement still have issues. And so so, um, so we I mentioned interagency receivables. That's one of the areas where every year if you look in the, in the consolidated financial statements there's a plug. Mm -hmm. and, and so they're working, Treasury's working on removing that plug. At some point there may need some additional guidance to be able to deal with, with those particular items. So we'll see that. We're also working on risk reporting which is really my favorite topic um, from that perspective. If you think about the federal government, the federal government is the house of last resort. Uh, everybody looks to it. Whether a corporation has problems, a, a, a state has problems, a local government has problems, whoever they are, they always look to Washington for help. And so we think it's really important for the financial statements to be able to capture at least the financial ramifications of the risk, not all the risk. But, and, and that ties in very well with where the federal government's going with ERM, Enterprise Risk right, Management. So, right. so I think over time, if you look over time, that's going to be a real sweet spot between how we're going to leverage the efforts currently under the federal government with, with the ERM with financial statements. Again, we're not mm -hmm. trying to put information in financial statements not financial, but some of those risks identified do have financial ramifications, and we need to be able to identify that. And, and I think the big thing that, and the board has been focused on this in the last year or two, and I think they will continue 
uh, definitely past my tenure is how can we streamline and, and improve reporting? I, I think every standard setter, you mentioned IPSASB, we mentioned FASB earlier, you mentioned GASB. Everybody's looking back at our end product now saying, does this really make sense? In today's world, we have so much electronic reporting, we have so much availability to get information. Uh, the old concept of having one document where everything was in it, I'm not sure that's necessary anymore. And a matter of fact, if you look at the concept statement eight that we issued back a year ago, we actually embedded in there this concept that it doesn't always have to be in one place. So I, mm-hmm. I think the board will it continue to explore uh, electronic reporting. I think there's, all, there's some, some board members, I'll tell you, that are uh, very passionate mm-hmm. about where we should be going with electronic reporting. How do we streamline the disclosures we have? You know, there's an old saying, we, we never made a disclosure we didn't like. Right. And <laughs> so, you know, how do we make that a little more uh, concrete and a little more focused? How do we, the, the federal government over the last you know, six to eight years has, has made data lots more available on all the various websites, mm-hmm. uh, spending.gov and all this. So the question right. is, how do you take all that information that's already out there and somehow, because one of the problems with that data is, you know, it's, it's accuracy, but also relationship to the financials. So how do we actually make this one big happy tent as opposed and how it really supports each other in that perspective? So I think that'll be a challenge. As, as I mentioned, ERM, there's a lot of great opportunities there within the federal government. I, I encourage them not the agencies not to treat this as a compliance activity, mm-hmm. but really get into and identify those risks. And I think we're able to identify those risks. It'll be very important to the federal government. I think out of that, we're going to identify some financial ramifications, and that I think should be reflected in the financial statement. So really to sum it up, where, where I think the most important things is, is I think we need to move forward to the next generation of financial reporting. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I know that's right square on the board's agenda. Okay. And Roger, anything yourself or anything AGA would like on FaceApp's agenda or Scott said it all? No, we our, our observations have been along the similar lines mm-hmm. of too much focus on just the financial statements and footnotes mm-hmm. and that it's really management's discussion and analysis, which is mm-hmm. tell the story. Sure. Uh, and the financial statements, a whole set of financial statements for a year should be looked at as a data point. And what has happened with that agency over five, 10, 12 years, and the trend of where are they going, where have they been, Mm -hmm. and then a perspective of where are they now is really when those statements and that report becomes valuable. Right. Okay, well, I thank you both for joining our podcast. I think it was very educational, and uh, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. That's our show. Thanks again for joining us. As always, please visit our website, agacgfm.org. You can find all our podcasts there. And provide us some feedback. Let us know who you'd like to have on the show. So until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA. AGA.